Welcome to the Royal Room, where we turn the taboo into table talk and affirm the phenomenal in you. I am Queen G of Queen G Creative, where the renaissance meets the revolution. And let me tell you, I have been sitting on this episode for months. I have been wanting to release it, but I had trouble, like figuring out the editing and what to leave in and what to leave out and all of that stuff really was limiting me from sharing this with you so I decided you know what bump it y'all are gonna get the raw and unedited version so typically we spend time with like our introductions and we do affirmations and we we have a whole thing here at the royal room we have a whole thing but that is not going to happen in today's episode because it's a little bit lengthy we are going to just focus on the conversation at hand so to give you a little context i got off the phone with uh my poet sister friend Joan Lyric Leslie and I was in the midst of like deep life revelations as I often am in those conversations but it was absolutely pivotal for me and so I enter into the room and I'm having a conversation with my ace with my best friend slash sister slash assistant and I need to process with her and I'm expressing my thoughts and feelings and she starts expressing her thoughts and feelings and I'm like this is revelatory like this is a royal room episode and so that's what you're about to hear please be kind know that we just turned on the mic and started having a conversation so again it's raw and unedited you will hear some things in the background there is a point where she gets up and goes to work (laughs) so it is not what you're used to hearing but i think the content is worth it and i really don't want to hold it back from you any longer and this being i recorded this i believe in like october 2020 as of today it is I want to say March 23rd or 24th, 2021. And so I like needed the pick me up of this conversation. And I think you do too. So enjoy. So you were saying that your world is so small and limited and how this conversation that we're having is challenging. Yeah. And so it's challenging in that I'm tripping. It like challenges <laughs> it challenges the way that I view my life mm-hmm. and the world. Um my eyes are welling and I don't like that. Um Welcome. but um it makes me think of <clears throat> like just how this is crazy. This little teeny tiny corner of the world. Like I, you know, I was born in Massachusetts. Yeah. Born in Stoughton. Yeah. I never lived outside of Massachusetts other yeah. than from 2017. And I moved 40 minutes away. Like, um, and so I've never lived anywhere else. I've only ever known this little teeny tiny portion of the world. This little. Yeah. You only left the country for the first time last year. Like the crevice of the, the crevice of the country that is like so small that you really can barely see it on a United States map. Like, they have to enlarge Rhode Island for you to be able to see it on the map in comparison to other states often. And I think about um, how, like, it's so small and everything that I've ever known has always been so small. And, like, what's possible to me has always been, like, 
has always been portrayed as like this very like very small it's very box like it's mm-hmm. very like okay this is really i mean to 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 um to the point of what you made before how you said that like this is the first time that like at 30 like this season this is the mm-hmm. first time of feeling like truly like free yeah and i'm sitting here like it's the truth and also in my mind i'm like like i've been conditioned my whole life by any person that i've been in contact with to view what's possible by what's immediately available to me yeah and so my god like I remember being like, I remember living in New Bedford and being like, oh, I really want to get back into property management. Like, I really want to go back into being a leasing agent and like having a job. And my mom's still sending me like, oh, yeah, you can go work at the parking garage downtown in downtown Hmm. New Bedford in a city that closes down essentially at six o'clock at night. Hmm. Um, Or um, like just thinking about how. Like, being in Plymouth is, like, being in my old church in Plymouth and and viewing life from that lens and being, like, yeah, this is, like, we're going to grow and we're going to be this and we're going to do that. And, like, everybody just keeps getting more jobs. And, but, like, the idea is never, oh, you're going to see the world one day. And people are, like, oh, yeah, you should travel while you're young and while you have no kids and while you're not married and blah, 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 blah. But then when you consider traveling, like, everybody's there to tell you why you shouldn't go. Exactly. Um, and like just just a constant squishing and pressing down of what it a is a crushing that, really like, a crushing that's the word I wanted um, is is a crushing of what it is that you want or things that you never thought were possible like I talk to my nieces and my mentees all the time and I'm like yo like even talking to my niece last night and she was like I'm scared to grow up mm-hmm. um She's like, I know, I'm t- I know I'm turning 16 mm-hmm. in December, and I'm scared to grow up. Ooh. And because she's, she's seen her mother struggle her whole life. Mm-hmm. Her, mom oh, was, her mom was a single mom of three by the time she was in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's scared to grow up because she's scared of struggle. Like, she's scared of struggling like her mom struggled and not having any permanence or consistency um, or a place that she can call her own or knowing where she belongs in the world. And I said to her that I don't want you, I want you to, I don't want you to rush into being an adult. Like, I don't want you to bypass your youth and rush into being an adult, but I don't want you scared of becoming an adult either. I want you to be able to face adulthood with boldness Mm -hmm. and knowing that you have access to anything and everything. And with hope. And be, right, and be hopeful about your future and what you have access to and that there is a whole world out there. Go see the world. Like, what you know is so small. Yeah. What we know is so small. And, like, as I'm sitting and thinking about talking to her about that, I'm thinking about how, for myself, that is something that, as I'm saying to her, I'm saying to me, because I'm like, all I've ever known is this little bitty box. Mm -hmm. And what I've been, what I've known myself to be capable of, like, I remember, like, people have been asking a lot lately, like, if you could be anything, Mm -hmm. if you could be what you wanted to be when you were a child, like, what you dreamt of being when you were a child, what would you be? And I, and I still remember, like, being, like, 
when I was a very small child, like, I want to be a singer. I want to be a singer. That's what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to stand on a stage and sing my heart out and give people music to live their life by. Mm -hmm. And I want to sing. I want to sing. I want to sing. And I thought about how, like, it's considered irrational, kind of, Mm -hmm. to dream of something that is such a small... um, it's such a large industry, but such a small industry. Right. Um, it's so hard to get into it. But then I, then I saw, I, I remember hearing, like, I forget what I was watching. I think I was watching an interview and listening to these people talk about this child. And they're like, like, she, no, 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 no it wasn't. I was on my break at work. Mm-hmm. And there were two nurses that were sitting across the cafeteria and they were having a conversation. One nurse played her daughter singing at 15 for the other nurse and they were like wow she's incredible she was born to be a singer and realizing like that's not something that I ever thought was possible it was like oh that's always been a dream but it's not something that's like that's not something that you can really do I mean Mm -hmm. unless you know somebody who knows somebody like that's not something you can really do but I just thought it just made me think about that and like mm-hmm. what's possible and what I have access to and what right. what we have access to based on what God has given and what he's placed inside of us, like even things that are untapped. Um, like when PT said, do, we don't really believe that we could do all things through Christ. Right. She was like, find me somebody who really believes bro, that they can do all things. Find me, find me somebody. Find me <laughs> somebody. Who believes that they can do all things we through Christ. We don't really believe that. We and believe we can like, like pray through Christ. Right. We can suffer loss maybe right. through can Christ. Right. We can be long suffering and come out strong on the other side of it. But we but don't really believe like that we can do like, all things. It's like you can do all things. Like get up and do something and not just be the product of things that happen to you. I, like. I Okay. So let me update you guys a little bit on what we're talking about. Because I definitely hit record super late. And did not plan to record anything, but I think I'm having like a life breakthrough moment right now and I want to document it and I want to share it with you all. So I, um, Jasmine Lynn is also the one who just dropped all those gems, by the way. I was just on the phone with one of my really good friends, um, one of my favorite human beings in the whole world, Joan Lyric Leslie, also known as Harlem's own Lyric, and we were having one of our regular catch-ups. And I felt energized at the end of our conversation and I felt so challenged and I felt like God was speaking to me in this really revelatory way. And so I'm literally in the midst of that revelation right now. Like I haven't come out on the other side of it. I'm processing it right now. So you're catching some of that. And so one of the things that came to me, um, for a little bit of context, I've been in a little bit of a funk. Um, I have a condition that can make me sick and I left my job earlier this year literally like two weeks before the world was on shutdown and um it was high stress and it was causing me to be sick and i left and uh i've been in good physical health pretty good physical health since then but this is the first time i'm like having like a real legit like flare-up and stuff and so for me physical health and mental health are super tied together so when i'm not feeling good i'm not feeling good generally 
And, you know, God has just been trying to deal with me. And, you know, I think he uses these moments to really, uh, they're often moments when I am sick as much as I hate them. They're typically moments of like extreme revelation and like real growth because I'm forced into this place of desperation and extreme dependency on God, which produces an intimacy, right? Like it's really the fruit of his strength being perfected in my weakness. So that's where I I am presently, and that's kind of what I'm working through. So talking to my friend, and God really challenges me with some things, right? So there's the question that is posed, like, what if this radical love, right, that is this epic love story, um, right, uh, romantic love, because I have epic love stories, they're just platonic <laughs> or they are with right. my supernatural father, my heavenly father. Right. And so, um, we really nonsensically esteem romantic love above all these other loves. Right. So I know I have these really amazing loves, but this is in regards to the romantic love, right? What if the, the, a, a world changing generation shifting love story, um, is waiting for you and it's epic. But what if it took 10 years to get here? I'm 30, by the way, guys. I know I say that a lot. I feel like every five minutes I'm saying I'm 30. <laughs> but I am. I'm 30. <laughs> but what if it took five to 10 years to get here? Would you um, give God a yes? Would you agree to that? And there was a point in my life where... Um, we're going to go in a lot of different directions, by the way. So just like open up all your computer tabs and just go on the journey with me, guys. So there's a point in life when I was younger and I was just so high spiritually, not like high on drugs, high in the spirit, right? Like I was just in this really um, centered, ground, spiritually grounded, tapped in place. And I was like fasting and praying and I felt so in touch with the Lord. And I remember just being so deeply in love that I was like, there is so much of you to know. And as as much as you know my heart, God, I deeply desire to build a family and to build a life with a husband and with children. But God, if you were so jealous of me, for, not of me, but jealous for me, that you wanted this intimacy to be like the crux of my life and you wanted so much of me that you wanted me undistracted by like a family that like I would be okay with that. If you were like, this is the love story of your life and... So I'm sorry, the husband isn't coming. Like, I would be okay with that. Now, immediately after, I'm like, I know that is my spirit man talking because the other, like, very humanly part of me is like, heck no, right? <laughs> like, uh, no. But I felt so tapped in that I felt that. And so that was the first time and one of the only times I really deeply felt that, like, with the essence of my soul, right? Like, down to my core. And since then, though, I believe I give God this yes, like, anything for you, God, whatever you say, radical obedience. But but whenever that question would either be posed to me or when I thought of it, um, it would be like, hell no, nah, because nah, that's not, God knows me. That's not what the Lord has for me. He finna send my man. Maybe that's somebody else's testimony, but that's not for me, right? Um, and I would have, I'm a dreamer, guys. So for those of you who are not spiritual or not believers, um, I believe in the prophetic and I also believe that through the Holy Spirit, like the divine speaks to us, like the Lord mm -hmm. speaks to me through dreams. And I had would have all of these dreams, especially re over the past, like, I don't know, like six years or so, five years. I keep having these dreams 
and they're so intense. I feel like I've, I like I wake up almost confused. Like the dream is the reality, and then like my reality is actually the dream because the dream feels that real, right? And they often involve these elaborate love stories, either with a spouse or this like epic love with my my child, the child that I'm birthing. And when I wake up and I pray for understanding and I pray for interpretation of the dream. What always happens is that the interpretation is that this is a symbol for purpose or this is a symbol for you as a creative and for what God is calling you into into and that it is a do there's a dual meaning in this part of it has to do in the primary part has to do with calling in, in purpose as a creative and the other part is that yeah it also means love but it's also like secondary right it's it's always like that too, but here's what I'm trying to communicate with you about is like this love and this calling and this purpose. And um, I thought it was like, it really hit me today where I was like, God is intentional about everything. Like, why is he specifically speaking to me in this way, in this, like using these metaphors consistently when he wants to talk about how he has these great things for me in my calling that he uses like this metaphor of romantic love. Like even when God was speaking to me about who he is to me and the way that he loves me, I had this dream about him mm. being a husband. Like it's just like he's communicating to me in this way. And I was like, maybe this these are not a bunch of collective coincidences, right? Like maybe this is, there's, there's weight to that. And I say that because I'm a woman of many talents and I have been through I've always been made to feel not to say that nobody ever told me anything good I would have cousins or occasionally a mentor here or there or people who would like speak into my gift but the common narrative of my life was like um it was downplayed it was either I was made to feel like my gifts weren't real or that they were only valid in a certain context or that there was no way that I really had this many gifts or if I took confidence in those gifts that it was simply pride and that I should settle. You know, it was and I realize now that it's settling, right? And so it's really making me reckon with like what would it take for me to live the life that God has called me to live? I was speaking to Jasmine and that's what she mentioned earlier about this is the first time in my life where I'm actually free. My and, and it's been three decades and I lived essentially my entire life where my primary loyalty was to others, to institutions, to people, to people pleasing, to needs, to ideas. My entire life was built upon that. I gave up educational opportunities, career opportunities, relationship opportunities, spiritual opportunities, every kind of opportunity that you can think of because it seemed ungodly and unworthy to prioritize myself. And this is the first time where I am feeling this level of liberation that says my loyalty is first to God and secondly to me. And that is like earth shattering for me, right? Because my whole reality is like falling <laughs> apart because that is literally all I know. I grew up in a church where that was everything, right? 
um, certain that like I was in church multiple days a week. I wasn't traveling. I wasn't doing certain things because my first priority was to the church. And it was also to people's perception of who I was and what I was doing. I also had a priority. I have a mother who is a people pleaser. And so that significantly impacted where my priority was in that context. And so it was, I, I realized like, I didn't even know that I was modeling, um, I had, she didn't teach me things intentionally, but because of who she was, there were so many things that I absorbed that she had no intention for me to absorb that became a part of who I was. And so much of that was um, rooted in trauma responses. And so much of that was about having a loyalty to others and prioritizing them oftentimes, and especially at the cost of yourself. And like, that's, that's the only thing that made you valuable was making yourself disposable in order to sustain this irrational loyalty to others and to their needs and just feeling an attachment. So many people were like, why don't you, my family would be like, there's so much opportunity for you elsewhere. Why don't you come back to New York? Why you said you wanted to move to Chicago. Why don't you do that? And I just, I can't my church. I can't my church, you know? And so I, now I'm in this church where there is so much liberty and there's so much freedom. And it's the best thing that one of the best things that literally has ever happened to me. And the crazy thing is, it's the first time I feel free. And my pastor was talking to me the other day about really making sure that we live and we live for ourselves. Of course, we live for God. But second to that, that we're living of our, for ourselves and that as women, we are living to the full because we can wake up and at, at, at 50 or at 45 or at whatever age and realize that our lives were never lived for ourselves. It's the first time we really get to experience that. And all of these things are just coming together for me, right? And I know it sounds like it's all over the place, but bear with me. We're getting somewhere. And then there's this other piece, right? When I talk about my gifts and my talents and stuff and about how I was talking to my girl, you know, Lyric earlier. And we talk about how some people that we admire um, or that we've listened to, like Kevin Sage and Tabitha Brown and Issa Rae and Jay Ellis, and how they've all said in order to make it, Especially because of our work, we're poets, we're creatives and performers and yada, yada, yada. But to make it in our field of work, you have to be a little bit stupid or a little bit crazy. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But like, you cannot be normal. You have to have this kind mm -hmm. of ridiculous sense of conviction about what you're supposed to do. And this um, almost asinine level of belief in yourself. Like it has to be radical and it has to be ridiculous to make it because in order to make it, you encounter so much rejection and negativity. And like in order to continue to bet on yourself over and over and over again, it, it you can't be normal. You have to be a little bit crazy in how you believe, right? And so like um, when I think about that and I think about my life and I think about this being my first real real season of liberty my first season but this is going to be my first decade of like true freedom mm -hmm. and I think about releasing myself from people at first it was releasing myself from the opinions of people but now it's like releasing myself from the unhealthy loyalty to what people want from me this other level of freedom and this other freedom of like freeing me religiously and this this evolution right like this process of transformation that I'm going through and really beginning to own my identity as a woman and own my gifts and say like 
for the first time in my life, I'm like, I'm not normal. Like owning that and not feeling ashamed or like I'm in pride or but saying like, God has given me some unique gifts and God has given me a lot of gifts in a way that I do not see often. And I have to own that. And I am accountable to those things, right? And like, what if to live the life that I'm truly called to and a purpose that is not just regional, like a purpose that in a global purpose and impact like what if i'm called to global generations and not just the the generations that will come from my seed right like what if in order to live that life i had to say okay god i will exchange the next five to ten years of my life to wait for that kind of influence and to wait for that kind of love uh, in exchange for my expectations of what love is supposed to look like and when it's going to come to me like, what if that is the yes that I need to give to God, that radical yes that I gave a long time ago and never gave again? That was like, if you say that that's what it takes, then that is what I will offer. Because there is, it's not about the time, because God exists outside of time. And that's what I'm just now realizing. That's part of the revelation. For all of this time, I thought it was like, I was f so fixated on the time, right? But like, it's not about the time. It is about the mindset associated with that yes. What if that is the thing that is going to release the success and the influence that God has for my life? What if that is going to release the next level of anointing? What if that is going to put me in position to be the woman who is going to produce what I see when I, I've seen when I was a child, what I would see in dreams and visions? What if that is the yes that I haven't gotten to yet because I haven't given it yet. What it just like people release prophetic words and it changes people. What if that's the word? Because words have power, right? What if that's the word I have to release over my life? That even if it means waiting a decade, even if it means waiting five years, I will wait to encounter the best thing that God could possibly have for me. Right? And in the meantime, I'm gonna work. My husband can show up tomorrow, fam. And I'm open to it if he does, but I'm not going to live like I'm waiting. I'm not going to, I'm going to live like God already said, all right, get ready five to 10 years, which means it's like, and I was giving the analogy to Jasmine. Like, it's like if somebody is always prompt and they're coming to pick you up, but they send you a message and they say, Hey, I'm going to be like 15 minutes late. In that 15 minutes of waiting, you're not going to be tripping because you know exactly when they're coming. Yes, they're always on time, but you already know that they're going to be late, so it's totally fine. You know when to expect their arrival. Versus that person is always prompt, but they don't communicate with you. That 15 minutes of waiting, you, you might start to worry. You might start to stress. You might start to think of all the reasons why that person is late, right? Like you mm -hmm. wait differently when you have... when you. You wait differently when you have not been communicated with. When, when, when there is no clarity, you wait with confusion. But when there is clarity, you wait with peace. Oh, Holy Ghost, help me in here today. Thank you, Jesus. And that is like the question that is posed before me. Because I, I feel like what God is calling me into is to live in my gifts and my purpose in a way that is crazy to everyone else. Because mm -hmm. what, what Lyric brought up is the reality is that most people settle. And that normal and normal to people, even success to people is settling. 
I am not that. And I am not called to that. But God also knows me. And he knows that I'm all in when it comes to love. Like I am, I love radically. I am not normal. Um, and it makes me think like there are so many seasons in my life where I thought I was going to be married. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was like, I'm ready for this, right? Um, and I think to an extent, I believed myself and I, it was true. But I've evolved so much as a woman in the past decade. I can't imagine who I would have married 10 years ago, five years ago. I can't fathom it. I don't even know what woman I would be. Like every every season that passes, I'm like, oh, wow, I've evolved into somebody like phenomenal i'm so glad that god didn't give me what i thought i wanted back then Mm -hmm. right like and i think about how five years ago i was confident i knew you couldn't tell me nothing i knew i was gonna be married by 30 and i wasn't right but whether or not (laughs) i gave god the yes like i'll wait five ten years for you lord like whether or not i gave god that yes five years still passed Right. And the exchange, when you start thinking about purpose as being so much bigger than just how much money you have or whether you have accolades, like when you start thinking about it in this really grand and faith oriented kind of way, it kind of feels like. When I give God that, yes, I'm saying, sure, I'll give you the next five to 10 years in exchange. For an eternal weight of glory. I'm going to trade in five to 10 years for legacy. I'm going to exchange my familial legacy that will be birthed through me in exchange for not only familial legacy, but global legacy. Instead of only impacting the generations in my bloodline, I'm going to impact global generations for time Mm. to come. Is it worth it? Is it a fair exchange? Is 10 years out of an eternity a fair exchange for the best that God can come up with? And so the other day I was watching Black Love because I love me some Black Love. And I was watching episode five and I think it's called Stand By Me. And there's a couple, I think it's Kariga and Felicia. Just watch it, guys. I'm not going to get into it because it is one of the most beautiful displays of love, of open, vulnerable, emotionally intelligent, divine love that I literally have ever seen in my lifetime. And I remember seeing that, like, God, this thing can exist. This is so powerful. This is so great. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I remember seeing it and it, like, it just hitting me in this crazy way. Like, it just felt like divine. And the question kind of posed, like, well, what if, what if you had to wait, like, five, ten years for that? What if I said I could give you that and better? Right? And I'm looking at this couple that is impacting people around the world that's going to inevitably impact generations. And I'm just like, uh, first of all, that may not be God because <laughs> the Lord knows me. And I'm, first of all, I'm abstinent right now. And I'm like, I don't know if I can wait that long because my body <laughs> wants other things, right? Uh, I don't know. Or not even just that, like just in what looks like success in my life. Right. You know, and this morning it's different because I'm really being confronted and I'm really being challenged you know and I think about what success looks like to other people and what's normal to other people I cannot live according to their normal because for them what is radical could be regular for me what they feel is a full and successful life and the way they're moving is according to their portion 
what is fulfilling to them will most likely not be fulfilling to me because I'm accountable to my calling. I'm accountable to my purpose. What if I have to be the one person in the friend group who's like, yeah, God, I'll make that exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, I'm going to get up and move across the country. And God is like, you give me the radical yes in so many areas of your life. And you give radical yeses for other people all the time. Like you just believe so great for other people all the time. What if this is? What if this is the other level that you need to unlock? You are like, yeah, I'll travel to this other country where I don't know anybody to serve people and I'll do this and I'll do that and I will go prophesy to a stranger in the street and yeah, I'll like you take all these risks in faith for others. But what if you like I think it's an accepting that mine is not going to look like anyone else's. Therefore, I do not have the comfort of looking around me and saying, yeah, that makes sense. And that is a hard place to be in. And you also have to have radical conviction because it's going to look wrong a long time before it looks right. You're going to have to look at people who are married and having kids. You're going to have to, and even if it's not that, you're going to have to look at creatives who are producing better and more than you are. You're going to have to look at people who are making Mm -hmm. 10 times the money you're making, right? And there's something about it where it's like, I believe, I believe so deeply. Oh no, I feel feelings in I know I'm different and what I'm called like I just know that I'm called to do this and if I if I I would do it for free and I have done it for free for my whole life that's how much I love it and that I'm called to these things but there's just this feeling of like you get tired because you have to sacrifice so much um and I was talking to I was in a documentary yesterday it was an interview with me and some other poets was featured in this documentary um by Mr. Orange who's a poet and a a brother of mine that's going to be released later and I'm really excited about it. Um, but I was just talking to him. You know, I remember sitting in his office at the bank when he was working for the bank. And he's like, wow, I just watch you and I'm so inspired. I was dropping off a copy of my book. And I had signed it for him. And I told him, I promise you, I'll get you your copy. Because he's just been such a supporter for a long time. And I remember him being like, you know, sitting in his office. And I was just like, he's in the office. Look at his office. It's like, he feels so adult in here. And he was just like, I'm inspired by you. Like, I um, I have a wife and I have a kid, and so it's scary, but, like, you do this full-time, and I'm so inspired. And I was trying to just trying to break it to a brother. Like, I believe in you if you believe in you, but just know that it's not easy. You see the cute stuff, but you don't know the struggle on the other side, and it is a struggle. And life is going to be hard regardless, but you have to pick your heart, and this is the heart I've chosen, you know? And him just being like, no, I believe in it. And he like shortly thereafter went full time as a creative and he's literally been grinding ever since. The man has won po- poetry awards, fi- documentary mm. film awards, produced a book, been fe- he's on the, like a city council. and Like he's just done all these really great things. And some of the stuff I'm like, bro, I feel like you exceeded me. And you talk about I'm the one inspiring you. But yesterday we were having a conversation just about how hard it is. Like people don't understand like the difficulty that it is. And what it means, like, and I think it's really hard for other people to conceptualize and for me to conceptualize sometimes because it's like, I know I'm smart. I know I have a lot of talents. I know I could probably be an accountant or a lawyer or a professor or all of these things, you know, as an African child, right? Things that would make my family proud and things that would appeal to the capitalistic culture and things that would be an emblem of success and value to this culture. I could be those things. And there are people around me who are super successful and they are those things. And so you have to deal with the discomfort of your time being later 
and your process being different. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody wants to be financially in- unstable. Nobody wants to be the broke friend, the broke single friend. While people are flourishing, they're married and they're making right. a lot of money, right? right. Um, right. The bridesmaid and the godmother who is always just on the verge of like, you know, popping off. And it's just like, um, I think about how I had struggled so much even with identity in terms of I'm used to being the smart one. I'm used to excelling academically, yada, yada, yada. And I went through like craziness in college. I had to transfer. There's like, I almost sued um, one of the, the programs I was in because of craziness. We won't get into that, but it really challenged me and my identity because I just knew that I was intelligent and it, and when I didn't have a litany of degrees you know um it just made me feel like who am I right like there are just certain things that make you feel like okay like for real like what if, if I'm placing my identity in what I can produce who am I when those things are not there right like I went through that process and um I I really had to to deal with it and then I found myself in this place where like overnight things changed, you know, I went from like struggling and eating food bank food in ministry school to being a professor for a successful nonprofit overnight. It changed that quickly. Right. And, um, it looks so good on paper. It just looks so good on the outside. I was one of the youngest people working there. I was really good at what I did. I finally found that, um, all of my years of experience were fruitful, like in this position. And you got to like tell people like, oh, what do you do? It's like, well, in addition to this and you know, Queen G poetry, um, I am a professor, you know, I work full time as a professor for this nonprofit Mm -hmm. with this program that's doing stuff. And it's like the things that make us feel, especially if you are, um, used to being as valid as what you do for people and as valid as what you produce and as valid as how smart you proceed. It, it, it checks all those boxes, right? And I have benefits and it, I had the largest salary I had. Still was underpaid. Please don't get it. Don't, don't trip. Way underpaid um, for the work and the value that I produced. But um, paid nonetheless and had a decent salary. And it was just, it looks so good to people. And I remember mm-hmm. family members being like, oh, yay. Like, oh, I'm so glad. Like, as if I wasn't working and hustling this whole time. And as if all the work that I had done prior to that was not what put me in a position to have this job. Oh, like, you finally have a job. Well, I'm so glad you have that. And feeling like people associated my value with that title. And I could have been fine. I was making a difference in the community. I was using my classroom to do social justice work yada 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 but it was literally making me sick um and physically ill I was making me physically ill um and it just made me challenge stuff I think you think well if I had this I would feel better and I'd be more valuable and if I had more money and if I had the titles and da 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 I know I'm smart and I know what I deserve and I'm not getting the work that I deserve Mm -hmm. blah 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 so I finally got the thing and the title and things I deserve and it just was like I could be here and appease people, 
but it wasn't enough. Like it, sometimes it takes getting things to realize that they don't have, they only have so much value. I won't say they don't have value, but they don't have so much value. And instead of this thing being fulfilling, though it was because I loved my students and I loved the work that I did, but instead of it checking these boxes, it just showed me, it, le it just showed, it made the hole bigger, right? It just made me realize, no girl, you're creative. <laughs> and also like these, like I can't measure success the way people do. There are so many people who use that and they measure success and that's not how I can measure it. And so you either have to be unhappy in those spaces, like baby, I'm not built for that kind of corporate America. And I'm smart enough to do well there. So it really confuses people, right? It's not about the skill or the intelligence, but I'm wired differently. And so it became a matter of like, do I allow my soul to deplete a little bit and deteriorate a little bit every day, but I have a, an income. And it's not even like I was balling. And I knew that if I, something it knows, like there are certain things that I can release once I'm walking in purpose and things I can shift financially for my family that I won't get to working that kind of job. But it was more than I was making while I was struggling, right? So what are we trading in, right? Am I trading in like, you know, I deteriorate my soul and I look good on paper and I make other people happy and I'm people pleasing, mm -hmm. um, but I have some sense of security or do I choose the thing that, I'm made for, but I have to look unsuccessful to people for a while. I have to look, I have to be okay with disappointing people for a while. I have to deal with the very reality of suffering and struggling for a while. The truth is most people are fearful and they feel like they are too delicate to suffer in that way. My sister, in no shade, because she is one of the most phenomenal people I know, but she's an artist. But she's currently wildly successful in corporate America. She's got like three plus degrees. And one of them including a Juris Doctorate. Right? Like she works for this super... Uh, she worked for Columbia in, in New York. Columbia, right? Columbia. Um, she yeah. works for Columbia. Now she works for this other major corporation. She's one of only 10 people in North America. The woman is wildly successful and she's a true Brooklyn girl. But to her core, she is a creative. And the most difficult thing that she has to deal with is she did all the things the right way and she did. She has all of those successes. But she's never stopped being a creative. And so, but she's used to, to success by the world standard. But she's also suffering a little bit every day because she's not walking in the fullness of her identity. And it's just like, either one is expensive, but what are we willing, what cost are we willing to pay? And I have to deal with being just as brilliant as my other siblings. One sister, you know, she has a family and so she gave the mom grandkids, you know, and she served the military. The other sister is wildly successful. You know, as a, a, a young black professional in New York City, I'm then there's me. And so it's like, what are you willing to sacrifice? How much do you believe in the vision that God has given you? Am I okay with feeling like I'm the least successful uh, sibling? Am I okay with feeling like I am not where I need to be? Um, and this is about our personhood, right? Because if I read you my resume, your head will start spinning. It's not about what we did or didn't do. I've done a lot because I've been doing it for a long time. That's not the point here. Um, 
So, like, giving God that radical yes means contending with that. Like, it means mm. I have to accept that. Like, and it has to, it's going to look ugly before it looks glorious. And people will look at the inspirational stories and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, that is so moving. So-and-so slept on someone's couch. Oh, they were rejected from so many teams before they became successful. Oh, look, they got fired from their job. Oh, look, so-and-so was homeless and now they're successful. I'm so inspired. But folks will judge you while you're in the testimony building part of the testimony. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, you have to be okay with What are you okay with? Which is crazy. And what if you're, what do you have to also deal with? Like, what if you come home and there's nobody to cuddle with that night? And you, it went from 20 to 25 to 30 to 35 to 40 for some people. And you're okay with that. Like, what if it looks like, what if it looks like that? Because I love so deeply, if the perfect man were to drop in my life, I'd be like, okay. I'm sacrificial by nature, and then I've gone through trauma, which compounds and multiplies my willingness and ability to adjust, adapt, and to sacrifice in order to serve the people that I am around. And thank God I've gotten to a point of growth and liberty because me, seasons ago, who knows what would have been left of me. And if it comes right this moment, I'm not saying that I can't handle it. I can um, because of because of what the process I've been through, but also, are there things that I would have given up up until this point that God really didn't want for me to give up, and so He is, you know, He's He's adjusting when He's dropping gifts in my life. Guys, I'm like my brain is right now. Um, and I even worry about my health. How can, is my health and is it, does it have the capacity to hold all the greatness that God has called me to? And, um, what came to mind was this, the, the scripture about the lepers, how they came and were like, we, all right, bet we know you're the Messiah. We know you're the Holy one. Please heal us. And he sent them away. He said, go see, what is it? The priest, go see the priest, the, uh, the, do- show or the yourself, doctors. Show yourself to the priest. It was the priest, right? So go see the priest. The high priest. And while they were going, they were healed. Like it was in the process of their obedience. What if it is in my radical obedience and radical faith in who I was made to be that is the thing I need for healing? Like what if they, it's not about faith in my healing? It's about faith in my calling and in pursuit of my calling that is where the healing comes. Mm. Or at least even if it's not healing, it's capacity to handle the 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 it's the audacity of anointing. Ah, plug, shout out to the merch line. <laughs> but what if that's the audacity, <laughs> right? What if the audacity of anointing increases the capacity for purpose? What if the audacity mm. of anointing increases the capacity for your calling? What if that is the ratio and the formula? And it's not the other way around. What if it's how mm. bold you believe in what you're called to that gives you what you need to fulfill that calling and not, oh, fulfill that calling and then you have the book. Like, what if it's that way? What if that's how it goes? I don't know. But I'm thinking maybe that's how it is for me. And my journey's not everybody else's journey. But I'm just being challenged, guys, in this corona season. And I don't know. 
and I felt like I needed to talk about it because I literally didn't plan on doing an episode at all. I just turned on the recording um, while Jasmine was talking because it just hit me. And so this episode might be, I thought it was going to be a mini-sode, but it looks like we're now at the point where it's a full-length <laughs> a full length episode. But anyway, um, yeah. do you have any other thoughts on the matter now that we're all caught up? <laughs> um, just that it makes me think of, again, to, to, to the point of like seeing so much bigger than what we've ever considered possible Ugh. or seeing so much bigger than what we've ever considered to have be considered to have access to and that's by any anybody's standard um just because i just think of a conversation that we were having with um your cousin and how mm-hmm. she was saying like to most Americans, like, they view the entire, like, they think that the whole of America, though, is vast to an individual, that the whole of America is... Is the world. It is the world. Like, America is the world to them, um, size-wise, as far as being well-traveled yeah. and all these other things. And it just makes me think of, it made, it made me think of, when she said that, I was just like, it, it, it was a challenge to me, immediately. Um... Because I'm going, I had to immediately contend with myself. I'm like, oh, shoot, wait, like, um, I am people. (laughs) I am people because going to the Bahamas, which is a stone's throw away from Florida, Mm -hmm. was the first time I've ever been outside of the country. Yep. And I was 29. (laughs) It was only a year ago. Um, and I had never been anywhere else and going and traveling and seeing just another country for a few days. Um, it, when I tell y'all I was ready to stay, she <laughs> how, much to stay. how much a house costs down here? I was <laughs> like, um, I'm just, all I'm saying is that people have restarted their lives. They have relocated on far less than what I have in my savings account right now. And I feel like. Maybe I could do it now. The Lord had other plans, mm-hmm. and I'm glad we left when we did, right. um, because that devastating hurricane that hit right. Grand, Grand, Baha- Grand Bahama Island, mm-hmm. um, the hit the week after we left. Talk about um, the so and bad. destroyed so much, and um, the Lord knew that was not the time. In fact. Uh, right. But when I tell you I was ready, I was ready to be like, you know what? I don't have to go home. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but it also made me realize that that was my first time considering the idea of picking up and going somewhere else that was not within the U.S. Um, and as time has gone on, it's only made me realize like there really is so much world to see. There is so much to do. There is so much that we have access to. And it really takes a boldness to even consider the idea of picking up and leaving everything that you've ever really known to go to a place that you've never been and to do something you've never done. Oh, man. And that is scary. Like, it's scary. 
but also it's the same boldness that I want that like that that boldness with regard to seeing a whole new type of life is the same boldness that I was telling my niece about yeah it's the same boldness it's like I don't want you to rush into this thing but I also don't want you scared and retreating I want you to stare it in the face and look at your look at your future with boldness can I tell you what the Lord just dropped? What I like a, a question I want to pose? Please do, please do, cause help. like guys, I'm literally in what the else? middle of breakthrough right now, and it, I'm tripping. It's 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 like whoa, right? I'm stuttering, I'm tripping, it's messing me up. Um, so what if, right? Like we have been posed with these really strict ideas of our our timelines especially as women our timelines oh, yeah. and what we can and can't do and being women in the church especially mm. the conservative church what we can and can't do and i have been conditioned to think that there's a certain level of freedom that comes with marriage so especially as a very sexual person mm-hmm. and somebody who is yep. well educated but also very in tune and in ownership of my sexuality but still somebody who has the personal conviction. I ain't worried about y'all conviction. I'm worried about me. My personal <laughs> conviction is that I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to wait until I'm married. Right. Um, that but when I get married, I can be free. I right. can be free. And, da, da, da. and I thought marriage in a, ways that people think of marriage as bondage. For me, I thought of it like as freedom, free, not just freedom, to, sexually freedom to be seen mm-hmm. and freedom to be loved well. But what if, like, we were exchanging this idea of, like, freedom in marriage when the real freedom that we were called to is, like, so much bigger than that? Like, what if living fully outside of a timeline is the freedom that God has called us to? Like, what if that's the liberty? And we spent this whole time thinking that marriage was liberty and that... Not that it can't be, but we thought that, right? And which is why we have these timelines. We need to be married by this time. We need to do this so we can hurry up and have make babies or have sex or whatever. Right. And God is like, the liberty I have for you is so much bigger than that. And you think that you're trapped in singleness. And I and let me just say this. I live a very full single life and I have a right. healthy, a generally healthy relationship with my singleness. But it there is a there's a lens of restriction that cannot be divorced from traditional Christianity when it comes to singleness that we have adopted yeah. collectively. That we are just really restricted and there's something we just can't do. And once we're married, we can just start living in certain ways. Right. But God what if God is beckoning me and saying, But what if there's a greater liberty that you're missing right now? That is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, my brain is like, right? And also there's this liberty of like being seen that we feel like we only get in marriage. But I really am like, wait a minute though. I know that that's true. I fully believe that there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. But then I'm just like, but I have, I am seen so well by, excuse me, by my tribe and by my by women in my life and I am well loved in ways that some married people never see. Yeah. And it's just like 
I thought that that liberty only came in marriage to an extent. But I'm encountering things that some married people will never see. And I'm missing it because there is still that that concept of restriction in singleness that religion has placed on me. Y'all, do y'all know, like, for example, in this time, this little thing, it's a small thing, but like. I just remembered a, a thing that I wanted to say, that I, that I prayed. Really? Years ago. Okay, you share that and then I'm going to share this. So I just had, I just, I just randomly remembered when you were saying that, um, about like having, about having a liberty far greater than what we perceive to be what comes with marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it just, I literally just had a flashback. Dang it, Lord. Okay. Uh, (laughs) and, and the flashback, I remember saying that, Lord, I want my life to be an example of what thriving looks like in you and regardless of my marital status. And so I Ooh. want my life to, and, and I want Say it, it to again. Be, and that I wanted my life to be an, a, an example of what it is to thrive in you, whether wow. I'm married or single. Wow. And so I want my life to, I want, uh, uh, gross, uh, but also, amen. Um, <laughs> Because what I was saying was that there have been such, there's been such a, um, such a dynamic within my family and what I've seen of, um, like just unhappy people, just single unhappy people, married unhappy people, like people that are just been in long term relationships and just ain't getting married type unhappy. Um, or like always like persistently struggling and suffering all the time and just miserable and knowing that there's more, but never going after it. Um, and I remember saying to God, like, whatever it is, like, I want to be an example to my family of what it is to thrive. And so if that means like, if, if that means that I get to show them what a godly thriving marriage looks like, I want to show them that. Mm-hmm. But also, if I never get married, I want to show them what it yeah. is to be a godly thriving single person. Yeah. Um, heaven remembers, girl. Heaven remembers. There's uh, a we'll memorial. It, and we'll bring it back to your remembrance and, and its convenience. Oh, thank and you, Lord. So, I think about that and like there's a part of me that's like, oh, gross. But also there's another part of me that's like, wow, okay. So like doing the things that scare the crap out of me for the sake of God and for the sake of purpose is a fulfillment of that prayer. Like Mm -hmm. going to the places and getting on a plane and flying to another country and being like, yeah, I'm going to stay here for a month or a year or a few years. Mm -hmm. Like, or being like, yeah, I'm going to pick up and fly across the country or yeah, I'm going to go and do this thing and take these trips and go and visit these people and, and not have to be tied down to, well, I am, I have to come home because my husband needs X, Y, Z. My kids, they need X, Y, Z. And, um, it also makes me think of um, the scripture in Isaiah that talks about more of the children of. Um, I know what you're talking about, but the names. What's the name? Me. More basically, like more of the children of uh, of the person, basically the barren one of the barren one, more than the children of the married wife. And Ooh, so, I'm gonna throw stuff. <laughs> and My so God it, today. it makes me think of that, and so like. 
And, and wow. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, gosh. I'm getting so filled up, guys. Um, Whoa. And I'm getting filled up because it makes me think. Uh, it gives, uh, Oh, gosh. Jeez. Like, I'm getting. Um, I, I just have the faces of every young girl that has been attached to my life and how they have. Um, like, there's a running joke that we have amongst us that, like, like the kids love Jasmine. Auntie like Jasmine everybody, like Auntie Jasmine is everybody's auntie, and I truly live my life that way. And I don't, I don't just say it in word. I say it in like, it's true. I'm gonna love your child like they're my kid, it's no true. matter what happens, right? And if 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 I claim your child as my niece or nephew, that means that like. I'm going to love and care for your child in your absence the way that I would care and love for my own child. Yeah. And and I can't help it. And I don't mean to be out here collecting <laughs> collecting she has kids. So many. Like, but I have so many nieces and nephews and I love them all so dearly and each and every single one of them are so entirely precious to my heart. Um to the point where, like, I go into my classroom and I teach four and five year olds, right? Okay, so I'm I'm a pre K T A, um, and so I'm surrounded by four and five year olds all the time. And one of the teachers that has just joined my class, um, she's a lunch aide. She's there for a few hours a day. She was like, "How long have you been doing this? Because you're really, really good at this." And I'm like, "Well, in the classroom, I've been here for about a year and a half, but I've been an aunt." all of my life since I was 13 years old. I've been an aunt more of my life than I have not been one. Um, and so I treat my students like they're more nieces and nephews so that I can mm -hmm. teach them like, this is what's acceptable in our house. In this classroom, this is our house. We are well loved We here. are a family and we are loved here and you're gonna grow and you're gonna thrive and we're gonna be good brothers and sisters to each other and we're gonna take care of each other and this is how we function in our home. And this is our home for seven hours a day five days a week mm -hmm. um but it just makes me think of that scripture because like I remember being like god I just want to be a mom I want to be a mom so bad I want to be a mom and like then having a phase where I didn't want to be nobody's mama like ever um but you didn't believe that oh no nobody believed it but me um <laughs> <laughs> um but now realizing like thinking about that and like realizing that like that love does not like every time I think I'm full and in in loving kids and from every age level that they come from the infants all the way up to my oldest baby who is now 20 like mm -hmm. i too am 30 um <laughs> but the range it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i just dropped the 20 year old off at school to go to college mm -hmm. for <laughs> like we felt like i felt like we, it felt like she was dropping off her daughter and i was dropping off my niece it was yeah. like auntie and mama and we're like you good you, you got food let's go you to need and get supplies. you some blankets do you have sheets like we absolutely collected her took her for the weekend right brought her to school made sure she was good fed right her took her to church right over the dorm before we left yeah like, <laughs> it was very mommy auntie very much so parenting and and like having that and just seeing i just got that scripture in my head where it was like i don't have any kids of my own but it also made me realize this dream that i've had a few that i had a few years ago where i had adopted several children and in the dream, I had several children. They were all different ages and races and all these other things. I had several children. I had adopted them. 
Um, and then I was in labor with a child that I was going to birth myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just reassuring all of my <laughs> adopted kids, them, all of my love babies, um, all of my heart babies, um, that like, mommy's okay, I'm just going to go and have the baby and I will be back. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. You're okay. And one of my sisters like rolling me off into labor and delivery, like... Um, and just seeing that, but like wanting to be a mom so bad when I was, when I was younger and wanting and and being like, I want 10 kids and, um, reality striking and being like, well, maybe like two, you know, (laughs) two is Um, a good number. Like two is good. And maybe two at one time. So we can be just done, you know, hashtag Um, team twins. And so, (laughs) and so, but like wanting to be a mom so bad and, then as time going on and I'm like, man, am I ever going to like, I'm 30 now and everybody's always telling you that what the timeline for well progressing women should be. And, um, like moving at the, at the pace that society says you should move. And I mean, if you give society's norms, the reins, they would have everybody married off by 23. Soon as you graduate college, you're going to be a mom about it. 16 months later um like but that's just not the reality and thinking like man like am I ever gonna have this like great love story and and have my babies and be a mom and then realizing like after I dropped off my one girl my oldest girl and dropping her off to school and being like this is what being a mom is you are a mama like taking care of 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 your babies at any age and coming to pick them up and making them feel special and letting them know that you hear them and you and see them their, to and their identity and right and the intentionality behind just learning their names no matter how complicated they are mm-hmm. and being like no I'm going to intentionally put in the work to make sure I'm saying your name right because this is who you this is your first form of oh, identity Lord. like Jesus and giving identity to kids who don't know anything about themselves before they can get into a place where the world is telling them who they're not. Um, and, like, just mind-blown Something to be just a came mom. to me, too. Okay. To be a mom to so many babies. And so the Lord yeah. told me a while ago um, two things. One time, um, one of my sister friends... Years and years ago, said crazy. like I see you, crazy. I see you, and it's, you're almost like the Pied Piper, because you are sitting there and you're singing, and like there are a bunch of children who are just like following you, and like they see that purpose. And then she also talked about seeing me on a platform in front of like a whole bunch of people, mm-hmm. and then I remember God specifically telling me at a different time, like, in it, it seems like a similar exchange with Peter when um, the Lord was trying to minister to him, and he felt so ashamed. And, you know, um, the Lord was like, if you love me, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. And he said it three times. Right. The same amount of times that Peter had betrayed him, the Lord has spoken into wow. him identity, right? And he was like, okay. if you love me, feed my sheep. And so the Lord was talking to me. And he said, I think like three times, like, um, what is, I'm trying to, what were the words, Father? Love my daughters and feed my children. Love my daughters and feed my children. Love my daughters and feed my children. And that has been my MO my entire life. Like even before, while I was young enough to still be a mentee, I was mentoring. My whole life has been 
um, pouring into children and feeding them with the truth of their identity and building up women to know who they are and to know what their value is to identifying where broken places are in people and to speak life into them um, so that those broken places are built up, building up the foundation of people. Mm -hmm. That has always been my thing. And it's crazy because I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh gosh, it's coming back to me. And it's like, that's what I do. And that like, sometimes the purpose of for, and I think about like my mentees and they're like, I want to be like you. I'm like, what? God has just given me this gift of like Mm. super phenomenal people young people being attached to me and then other really great phenomenal women me being appointed to their life to pour into them and i'm just like what do you see over here girl (laughs) and (laughs) the lord just being like you sometimes you sometimes you miss it because i'm like i am not rich i am not this successful attorney or this and this Mm. for you to look at and it's just like you're looking at look don't be don't be martha girl Jeez. You don't give them Martha things. You give them Mary things. You are not out here giving them those things that are just the fruits of that kind yeah, of labor. The you give them the fruit of the hard work. They look at you and see what boldness looks like. They see what faith looks like. They see mm-hmm. what kindness looks like. They see what confidence looks like. They see what um, loving liberally looks like, which requires vulnerability and confidence that is rare. That's what they see. They can get a dime a dozen of somebody mm. doing something great in the world according to the world standards. But when we yeah. look to inward to like spiritual and soulish growth, it's like that's what you give them, which is like, oh my gosh, my brain. And so I've had all these moments where God just was like assuring me like, you know, oh, you're because with PCOS, PCOS is the leading cause of infertility. And so this is a conversation I've been having with my doctors like since I was 16 and yada, yada, yada. Uh, that's one of the things that we have to contend with. It's not that I'm infertile. It's very difficult to have children. My periods mm-hmm. are extremely absent in addition to the other symptoms that I get. So it is going to be definitely more difficult to have children. And so the Lord over time has spoken to me about how there, I will bear fruit from my womb. And he's also spoken to me about my spouse and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always thought like, oh, this means it's coming. Like, oh, because it's coming soon. It's coming. It's coming. And it's just hitting me now, like, what if it wasn't about, oh, it's coming soon? What if it was about, go live fully, because these things will be here mm-hmm. in due season. Go go love my, love my daughters and feed my children, and when you return, go cast your bread on the waters, and after many days it will return unto you. Mm. Go do the thing. You are free to live liberally, to live fully. Go live to the film. Mm-hmm. Because in your abundance, in your seeking me first, with radical faith, which is a prayer I used to pray all the time, radical faith, radical <laughs> obedience, blah, blah, blah. In work. doing that, oh no, no, go. Jasmine's abandoning us, it's fine. Um, work. I don't want to go. This I forgot so about your other job, it's stupid. But anyway, uh, in order to, what time is it? Three. Oh, dang it. I mean, I can go in 10 minutes. <laughs> but, in, yeah, we got to wrap up anyway. But in, in order to, um, li- like, live, live all of that, and that's part of it. And just knowing it's not about it's coming right now. It's about you don't have to worry about these things coming because yeah. they're on the, their way. And that is a complete <sighs> shift in mindset, right? Because we're like, oh, so he coming tomorrow? You know, you right, look at the window, right. at the door. But it's not about that. It's about go live fully. You're not going to miss out because the world is often telling us, um, that we are going to miss out in 
Oh, yeah, because you work earlier now. You work at 340 and out of 4. Sorry, these are things that you guys don't have to worry about. I this is what edit. happens when impromptus. Yeah, I might edit it out. I might not. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, welcome to our lives. Um, but that I just changes my whole perspective. Like, what if it's not about, oh, they're coming now. It's just, I'm assuring you that you are not going to miss out on this particular right. blessing. That changes everything. It does. And it makes me think, like, how do you live? When men try to interact with me, it's not going to be about, like, oh, maybe this is the husband. Right. It's going to be like, no, God said the very best. And he also said, I'm on the timeline. So unless you came exactly from heaven, right. what what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. What, are, what am I even doing? Because it literally, is this mind shattering? Because if not. Um, so it changes everything. And yeah, you can go, girl. Go do what you got to do. Um <laughs> But the other thing that I was going to say... I'm going to continue conversation with you later when I get back. We will. Um, the other thing that I was going to say in terms of like feeling, having that full, that liberty and that love that, um, that we are having outside of marriage that we thought we could only get within marriage. Um, the little story that I wanted to tell, and I'm going to end on this, was about how like I, um, I've had this thing with Build-A-Bears forever and I don't know why. I just always loved them. And I'm a 30-year-old woman who is still willing to um, sleep with a teddy bear. And so I've always wanted one. And I've had men say they were going to get them for me and lie to me. But it's always just been a little thing. And I've been like, the man who really loves me, he's going to get me a Build-A-Bear. Like, that's, like, going to be a thing, right? And um, there was a guy, one of the men that I referenced in my single grocery video, I mean podcast, um, one of the men that I referenced got me a Build-A-Bear, but he got it for me like at the end of our relationship while we were still being weird. Like we had split up, but we we're still kind of acting like a couple. It was weird. Um, and I cried. It was such a beautiful moment and it meant so much to me, but I ended up having to give it up. And I was just like, why would I finally get the thing that I asked for and then, then have to get up, give it up? Which is kind of how I felt about the whole relationship, right? And I was just like, oh, Lord, like maybe this is a farce. And I haven't had one, haven't had one since. And I've been really wanting one. And I bought myself one. And it turned out it was like, like, like a teddy bear. And it was super cute. But it turned out to be way too small. And I was like, dang, I don't have one. And so today, um, I opened the door. Literally, as we opened the door, Jasmine's like, I have a surprise for you. And um, so we, do, we go to do what we're doing. We come back. We open the box. And it is a Build-A-Bear. And I say that to say it seems on the surface like it is just a teddy bear. And it's like, I can buy my own teddy bear. That's not the point. But what it showed me was just like, I have the love that I have been looking for and waiting on. It just came in a different way than I had anticipated. This love that is in the details, that cares about you, that shows up, that attends to you, that holds you accountable. It's like, I have the gift of having that in my life. And right now we're doing the recording in my bedroom and I'm looking at my um, new Build-A-Bear and I'm looking at her um, unicorn. I got her this rose gold and paisley unicorn for Valentine's Day. And I just look at how these things that seem insignificant, but they're so tender and they show this like innocent and vulnerable and childlike part of our person how god could have sent a man to give these things to us but through friendship and sisterhood these great 
platonic loves that he's given us. We are encountering a storybook love that is platonic and covenant and divine in nature. And so I'm not missing out on anything. Like I'm not cuddling at night, but because of my tribe, I have, I I come home and we, I have dates and we cook meals and we spend time together and we seek God together. And it's like, I do not want to miss the fullness of this season, this wonderful, full, radically loved life that is right before me because it's showing up differently than I anticipated. So I just wanted to show that and say that and acknowledge that and acknowledge the people in my tribe, but I also hopefully open you guys up to even seeing that. It's so funny. I think that, that was such a benchmark for me. And so, and the other piece is when you're loved well in life, you're not thirsty for it in counterfeit places. Um, the my, my homie who I was talking about earlier, Lyric, has a book that's coming out. You need to go order it. Um, I've been promoting it, so make sure you follow her um, at Harlem's Own Lyric. Um, you can pre-order now, but the book ca- is called Love and All That Sits in Its Place. When you have been well-loved, you do not have to tolerate things that sit in its place. Okay, I just wanted to encourage y'all. I hope you're encouraged um, this has truly been a uh, regurgitation, brain regurgitation. This is not going to be a cutesy little well-organized episode. It's clearly going to be super open and honest, but I'm so glad you guys stuck around for the past hour and went on this journey with us. I love you so much. Please make sure you are following Queen G Creative on everything. You can go to my website if you need a Queen G Creative service. Everything from a voice actor, creative director, consultant, I am here to serve you. Uh, make sure you get merch. The theme of one of the themes of this episode is the audacity of anointing. So make sure you tap into that as well. And if you made it this far, please make sure that you leave a five star review and leave a positive comment. And one of the best things you can do, if this blessed you, make sure you share it with someone else. If you are alive, remember to keep living. If there is breath in your lungs, that means there is purpose in you. I love you. I believe in you. And my lovely court, I will see you on the next episode of The Royal Room.